name of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus, you are great and mighty. There is none other like you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You can be seated tonight. We want the Bell Glade Mind team to come on down and get in place tonight. And as they're coming, we also want the ushers to come and make their way down tonight as well. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus tonight? Come on, I mean, how many are really thankful for the blood of Jesus tonight? In Jesus' name, I was reading where in 1 Peter, Peter told them that you were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold. He said, but by the blood of Jesus were you redeemed. I'm thankful tonight that I know what saved me, what delivered me, what set me free when nothing else can. When the, uh, the ideas and the opinions of man couldn't do any good for me and couldn't do anything for me. It was the blood of Jesus that covered a multitude of sin and he washed away each and every one of those sins. The Bible tells us as far as the east is from the west. I'm thankful tonight that I can lift up my hands and I can open up my mouth and I can come boldly before the throne of grace because of what Jesus did. Oh, come on, somebody. You ought to be thankful for what Jesus did tonight. If it wasn't for his blood, we wouldn't be here tonight. If it wasn't for his blood, you can lift up your hands. You can open up your mouth. You can rejoice the way that you do tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, as the ushers come, everybody say, God bless your offering in Jesus' name. What does it mean to be saved? Is it more than just a prayer to pray? Let the redeemed of the Lord take 
Stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands all over this building right now. Hallelujah. We need the love of God right now in our hearts and in our spirits. Somebody lift up your voice and lift your hands to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We magnify and we praise your name. Forget about who's next to you. Forget about what's going on before service or after. And somebody just call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, help me sing, help me sing, help me worship him. Help me to come before his presence and lift up, lift up his holy name. Lord, you are worthy.
Lord, a hand clap of praise tonight. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. Lord, you're good to us. Lord, you're good to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Great, oh Lord, is thy faithfulness. Thy mercies are new every morning. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we want you to remain standing with us. Amen. We're going to come segue into the part of the service uh, where the word of the Lord is given and you are in for a treat tonight. Well, there's been such a great blessing in Fort Myers and in Belle Glade. Uh, Brother Ari Prado has ministered here over the course of the last week and he is from Alameda, California, which is right outside San Francisco and he's been here before. He is not a stranger to our fellowship and we know that when he comes, he's prayed, he sought the face of God. And how many came for a word from the Lord tonight? Amen. God can do it. I don't care what you're facing, God can do it. And he's got a word for you tonight. So continue to put your hands together. Brother Prado, come preach the word of the Lord to us tonight. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Hebrews, a very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm sure just about everybody here can quote it. We're going to go to the very end of the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter. So good to be here with you all, uh, honor and a privilege to be here with all the ministers and uh, my good friend, uh, Pastor Urshan, and uh, always good to be here with senior pastor. God bless them. Amen. And uh, it's... It's a double honor for me to be preaching to all of you here tonight. Amen. I love God's people. Amen. There's nobody like God's people. And uh, I count it very much an honor and a privilege to be preaching to you all. And um, I, I know that tonight is, I am going to focus a little bit more on the young people. Um, and uh, I'm okay with that. So um, I feel like I have a word from God. This service is very important to me. Uh, and I want to preach something that'll stick to you because uh, Saturday's around the corner. And then after Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday, and then 2014. And we don't know when Jesus is coming, so we need every sermon that we can get. The Bible says you are saved by the foolishness of preaching, not the foolishness of preach. We're going to get several preachings. In. And so... Uh, we need a lot of preaching. Uh, and so here we go. Everybody ready? Book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Very simple passage. Very powerful. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today. Everyone say today. And forever. Everyone say forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And I want to preach to you on this thought tonight. When clocks clash. When clocks clash. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask him to bless the next few moments of this service. Jesus, we love you and we appreciate you. God, I know for a fact that you've ordained this service on this Friday night. Lord, there's many young people here that need a word from God. 
Lord, I pray that through my lips, you would use me to edify and strengthen them. Lord, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice would walk out of this service, Lord, with their minds girded in truth. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open my mouth wide, that I might be able to speak as the oracles of the Lord and say a lot in just a little bit of time. We pray for a gift of faith, prophecy, and wisdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said a healthy amen. Let's give God one good hand clap. Before we're seated, I want Sal to come up here. Sal, come on up here. Can we do this? Is this okay? I want to pray God heal Sal. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. I really feel this. I I was ready to preach, but Sal, we're going to pray God heal you. And... uh, We're going to do what God wants tonight. We're going to do what God wants tonight. Is he here? Brother McGovern, I want this church. Amen. We are God's people. We believe in healing. We believe in healing. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. I want everybody to stretch their hands towards these gentlemen. Amen. Amen. If I can have a brother or two come stand behind these two brethren here. Amen. I'm not, I believe that the Bible, the Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Jesus, we're asking you right now by the power and by the authority that is in your name. Lord, I pray for a healing touch right now over the life of these three men. They're your servants. They're your property. They're your sons. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I'm going to obey you. Lord, and we're obeying you right now. We're submitting ourselves to your will and your word that says that if there's any sick among us, let us call for the elders of the church that they might anoint us with oil and pray the prayer of faith that we might be healed. I pray right now in Jesus' name that sickness and disease and pain would leave your body in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone shout in Jesus' name. Everyone shout pain, sickness, disease leave 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 in Jesus name let's give God some praise right now somebody shout he can do it somebody shout hallelujah Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In the late 1800s, a small town in Ohio by the name of Sandusky 
began to wage a war over the issue of what time it was. For as long as anyone could remember up until this point, time was generally read in what is known as task time. Uh, It is also known as local time. And what task time or local time meant was that your day and the tasks which comprised your day would determine, uh, were determined by the position of the sun. And this is actually where we get terms like bedtime, dinner time, lunch time. And basically the way people told time was according to the task at hand and the position of the sun. Uh, if the sun was overhead, they knew it was noon and it was lunchtime. If the sun was gone and it was dark, people knew it was bedtime. And this is how everybody got by for literally thousands of years. In Sandusky, Ohio, however, like in much of the world back then, there was a little bit of a problem. And that was that clocks were already in full swing. But because everybody kind of read the sun differently, there was a different time everywhere you went. You could go to the bank and it would be 12 o'clock. You could cross the street, maybe walk into a hotel and it would be 12.15. You would go into the grocery store and it would be 12.30. And uh, everywhere, the barbershop, the post office, you name it, everybody was on a different time. There was no standard time. So as you can imagine, uh, time was a little bit, it wasn't that big of a deal. And uh, one day, uh, time began to be a big deal. And it was thanks to the railroad company. The railroad company uh, was very significant and important because the railroad, uh, after some time, was, was carrying everybody's precious cargo. They had the bank's money. They had the hotel's clients. They had the grocery, food, the grocery store's food. Uh, they, 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 they essentially brought in commerce to every city in America. But the, the, the railroad system needed people to come and pick their stuff up. The problem was that nobody can agree or nobody could agree at what time everybody should be there. Because everybody had a different time. The, the railroad system uh, didn't have time or the patience to wait for everybody to figure out what time it was. Uh, or to even figure out uh, a standard time. Because quite honestly there was no such thing as standard time. Nobody, nobody read the same clock per se. So the railroad company uh, did something very, very interesting that upset everybody in Sandusky, Ohio. The railroad company determined that they would have their own time. And they've done a lot of research into this now, and they've actually determined that the railroad company was actually off by at least 18 minutes. But one day the railroad company said, starting right now, it's 12 o'clock. Uh, Now, people had actually gotten pretty good at reading the sun, and so several of the citizens of Sandusky, Ohio, knew that it wasn't 12 o'clock. They knew it was actually a little bit later. But the train or the railroad system didn't care. They said, it's now 12 o'clock. And they went one step further and gathered up their money, 
and they begin to put their own clocks all throughout Sandusky, Ohio. And really, they did this all throughout America. They begin to set out their own clocks. And, um, and on those clocks, it had standard time. It had train time, if you will. Now, we, we might not always think of things in these terms, but time is a very personal thing. Uh, time is just personal, whether we're talking about hours, minutes, days, months. People take time very personally. And so for the people of Sandusky, Ohio, uh, when they saw the railroad system pushing them around, the town literally split in half. And half the town said, we don't care what the railroad system says. We're going to stick to the time that we know is instituted by nature. We're not going to change for the sake of technology, commerce, money, and convenience, or civil advancement for that matter. We're going to stick to the time that's been around since the world was created. And the other half of the town said, forget you guys. We want our money, our customers, our clients, our goods. We're going to do whatever the train or the railroad system says. Now, what we learn from all this is that humans are willing to embrace and accept just about anything, even if it contradicts nature, in order to make our lives more comfortable, more convenient, and more efficient. Which I suppose in many matters really doesn't even matter. And it makes little or no difference. I don't think, I don't think it really matters if all of us here... Uh, adopt uh, a certain amount of time or a certain measure of time for the sake of convenience. Uh, uh, I think today most time is accurate. Everybody's clocks are pretty uh, synchronized to what, what is the accurate time. And I don't, I don't think this really makes a big difference. If, even if all of us today were 18 minutes off what time it really was, it, I don't think it really matters. But when we talk about spiritually, knowing what time it is is a very important thing. Spiritually speaking, people need to know exactly what time it is because being off just a little bit in the spirit can have very severe consequences. Amen. When it comes to time uh, and the way God deals with humanity and time, amen, we got to take it really serious because time isn't something that a lot of us have a lot of. Amen. Psalms 90 and 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. James 4 and 14 says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. First Peter 1 and 24 says, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower there of falleth away. When it comes to living for God, we need to know exactly what time it is. When it comes to living for God, we got to make sure we know exactly where we need to be, when we need to be there, and we need to stay in sync with God's clock. Amen. We're living in a day and an age where a lot of people are, are, are modifying their life, their decisions, their choices, their morals because of what time it is. Well, let me tell you something, sweetheart. With God, it doesn't matter what time it is. He's got a clock and he wants all his people to move according to that clock. 
Amen. You'll notice that when, as you begin to read your Bible and you begin to get into the prophetic books, the book of Daniel, the book of, uh, of, uh, uh, the, of Revelation, etc., you'll notice that the Bible begins to talk about streets made of gold. And when it does this, it's not doing it for the sake uh, of trying to show us just how rich God is. You know, a lot of people read that and they think, man, we're walking on streets of gold. God got money. And... Uh, That's really not why the scripture's telling us that there are streets of gold, although I do believe that there will be streets of gold. But I believe that one of the reasons the writers let us know that there are streets of gold is because among the metals, amen, gold is one of those metals that it does not rust. It does not corrupt. It, it, it has a sustainability and a longevity. It has a, it has a consistency. It's not like the other metals. Um, uh, gold can be around for millions, if not thousands of years, and retain some value. Amen. It, it wouldn't hurt you to find some old gold right now. Amen. Gold is good for a long time. And what the Bible is trying to do by letting us know that there are streets of gold, it's trying to help us to understand that there is a world where things aren't constantly changing. There is a world where things are not always in flux, up and down, one day left, the next day right. Amen. There is a world where things stay pure, where things stay solid, where things stay true. And I want you to know that even though we are not in that world, we are part of that world. Even though we are not in heaven, we are operating according to heaven's clock. Even though we've not gotten up to glory, I want you to know, honey, we're on God's time zone. We're on God's timepiece. We're on God's clock. We're not moving according to the world's clock. We're moving according to God's clock. I don't care what time the world says it is. I want to know what time God says it is. Somebody shout amen. Amen. We're living in a day where there is a clash of clocks. There is a clash, amen, of time zones. And this has been going on for a long time. In fact, the apostle Peter addresses the clashing of these two time zones in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 when he says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of Christ's coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things uh, continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up seeing then amen that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness amen when it comes to understanding the direction in which things are flowing in these days people we've got to know what time God says it is we're living in a day where your professors at school your friends your relatives will say you know you church folk been talking that stuff a long time y'all keep talking about Jesus is coming soon they've been saying that since the days of the apostles You need to wake up and get with the program. Those are just fairy tales. Those are just myths. If it was true, it would have happened a long time ago. We're we're living in more modern times. You're still reading that old dusty book? Yes, I'm still reading that old dusty book. I, in fact, my book don't have any dust on it, amen, because I read it so much. And I don't care how many years go by. I don't care if 
honestly, it's not up to me. It's not up to you. But if Jesus decided to come in the year 3000, so be it. I know this much. If he does tarry until the year 3000, he's going to be looking for some people that are still on his clock, that are still living the way he wants them to live. They're not conforming to the times and to the seasons of this world. They realize that their master in heaven has a different calendar, a different agenda, a different timepiece. Come on, young people. You got to get synced in with God tonight. My prayer tonight is that there'd be young people that you'd realize tonight, you know what God's doing. You know where God is and you're moving according to God's rhythm. You're going to syncopate yourself with God and you're not going to move from that. No matter what the world does, no matter which way the world begins to move and you're going to stay on God's clock. You're going to move according to time eternal. Amen. Listen. We, we're living in a day, in an age when, when getting off rhythm with God, getting off rhythm with God will sweep you away so fast. I mean, just, just to lose contact with God, even for a little bit, you can get so way out there. I mean, you can end up... I remember... Young boy, raised in church, good guy, went to all the camp meetings, all the junior youth camps, camper of the month, Bible quizzer, you name it. And um, real smart, I mean, just very, very intelligent. And um, he had grandparents that were not living for God, and they saw how smart their little grandboy was, their little grandson was, and And they thought, you know, he's just wasting all his time in church. You know, just believing all that old stuff. You know, parents, uh, his parents were were, were good people and they are good people to this day. And um, his dad really went out of his way. His dad, just awesome man. Uh, They didn't have a lot. They've always been kind of struggling, even to this day. Uh, But... But the grandparents took the son in and, and they told him, they said, if you'll go to college, we'll pay for it. And they had a lot of money, not just a little bit of money, they had a lot of money. And so uh, they sent him away to college and, and sure enough, he came out a physicist. And uh, one day he came into the pastor's office and he told the pastor, he began to, to give the pastor these long, drawn out mathematical uh, equations and formulas and and, and telling the pastor that sir proves that God does not exist and the pastor just looked at him and said he called him by his name he said I don't care what you say (laughs) Uh, I've known you your whole life God is real son and uh, get your finger out of my face and you better just repent (laughs) well he didn't repent He didn't repent. And uh, it got so bad that at one point he even had a YouTube channel where where he would slam the church and and, and slam his parents and slam Christians. And, I mean, it was just like this little atheist YouTube channel. And, and, um, but, but slowly, as he began to 
to, to cast the things of God off, he began to go down. And then he went further down, further down. And I, just for the sake that there are young kids here, I won't go into all the details, but needless to say, uh, the next time we found him, uh, he was being restrained by the police because he tried to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge several times. And uh, the police had caught him just in time. Uh, I, I just recently had to, I was a pallbearer at his funeral uh, because uh, he finally did succeed in committing suicide. But, but it all started with just getting off God's clock. He just, he began to think, I don't need that. I'm smarter than that. You, that's old stuff. That's just antiquated. There's no reason for the women to look this way. There's no reason for me to live this old lifestyle. There's no reason for me to live in a home without a television. And there's no reason for me to live in a home where I'm not watching all the latest movies and listening to the latest music. And, and I, I, I just need to get away from that. Well, my Bible tells me that the way of the transgressor is hard. Amen. And my Bible tells me that when we walk away from this, amen, it were better that we knew not the truth and, and we'll be seven times worse. Uh, people, I'm telling you, you got the greatest thing going on planet earth. Uh, don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise. And don't let this world convince you otherwise. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm preaching to a generation right now. This world is going to press you hard to get you off God's clock. This world is going to press you hard to get you, amen, off God's timepiece, off synchronization with God, off rhythm with God. They're going to tell you, they'll try to get you off God's clock regarding your age. You're too young. Hey, I, I got saved when I was 18 years old. 18 years old. And I'll never forget, I, I started preaching three years after I got saved. Three years after I got saved. I was a full-time evangelist at the age of 22. And uh, all of a sudden I was traveling around the United States and other countries and, and I found myself in hotel rooms a lot, all by myself, in places I had never been with people I didn't know. And there hardly went by a night where the devil didn't tell me, you're too young to be doing this. You still had so much time in front of you. you st there were still so many parties you could have gone to. There were still so many more girlfriends you could have had. There were still so many drugs you could have done. There was still such a good time you could have been having. And I had to shake that spirit off for years. I, I, because I knew, I knew that the devil was a liar. I knew that that wasn't true. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun I'm preaching to a couple of young people you've only been in the church a couple of years and the devil's already on you night and day telling you it's time to go back it ain't time to go back you need to let the devil know I'm on God's clock I'm staying on God's clock I don't know whether I have a lot of time or I don't, but I'm going to be living for God with the time I got. Amen. Me and my days will serve the Lord. The hours I got, they're gods. The minutes I got, they're gods. The seconds I got, they're gods. I'm not walking out. You know, parents, and I know there's parents here, and I'm not attacking the parents. But listen, 
We don't feel bad for your kids around here if they give everything they got to God. I don't feel bad for kids that give up sports and give up friends and give up talents and give up, uh, and give up uh, all these kinds of things to live for God. I don't feel bad for kids that, that give up this, that, or the other. I, I, I don't feel bad for you. I think it's a good thing. I think you're, I think you're right on time. I think, I think you're in sync with God. I think you're doing... I don't care if you're supposed to be the best pianist in your high school or the leader of the band. I don't, I don't care if all the girls tell you, girl, you can be the head cheerleader. I don't care if they tell you, you can be the captain of the football team. If God says, son, I'm on a different time. I got a different clock. You ought to jump over to God's clock and stay right there because God. Come on. You got to fight the devil's clock. You got to let the devil know I'm not moving. I don't care if I seem like an old fuddy-duddy. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to be on Jesus. Listen, there are very talented kids here. You're very talented. There's kids here. You're very talented. You're smart. Smarter than, just smart. Some of you are, some of you are smart Alex, but... but but let me tell you something about your talents. God will choose which ones he's going to use. Not you. And, and my experience with God has been, he usually chooses the stuff I'm not very talented in. Oh, you keep living for God a while. You'll find out really quick. God, because God chooses weak things to demonstrate his strength. He chooses foolish. He'll, he'll get you to start doing things you ain't no good at. Amen. He, he, he may not want your math ability. And I ain't got nothing against math. I'm not up here preaching against the alphabet and numbers. But I'm, I'm letting you know, God's going to choose what he wants to use. God's going God's to dig deep inside your soul and say, I can use that because I'll get the glory out of that. I can use this because I'll get the glory out of this. I can, I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need him to lean on his own strength, his own wisdom, his own intelligence. I don't need her to lean on her looks. I don't need her to lean on her family. I don't need them. Come on, let's Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the, the world will try to get you off God's clock regarding your priorities. You know, Joseph, the Bible talks about Joseph. He was a dreamer. And when, you, when a lot of people talk about Joseph, they, they say that his gift was dreams, the ability to have dreams. But really, Joseph had two dreams, two gifts. One was the ability to have dreams and the other was the ability to interpret the dreams. Those are two different things. Now, Joseph would spend the majority of his life away from his parents, away from anybody godly, and he was going to go out into the world. And the last thing God wanted was for sinners to be interpreting his dreams for him. God said, I'll give you dreams and I'll show you how to interpret them because I don't need some sinner telling you what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Hey, I'm going to get in your trash can right about now. I'm feeling comfortable right now. You know, there's young people. There's young people here right now. You're living for God. 
You got good parents. Your parents, your parents are constantly telling you what time it is in God's kingdom. And, and, and there's this little itching voice in your head telling you, you know what? I need to kind of venture out. I, I don't want to live my whole life like this. This is kind of boring. And, and, and you got an aunt. You got an uncle. You got a relative. Your mom's sister. Your dad's brother. And they, every chance they get, they pull you aside. And they start trying to interpret your dreams for you. They start telling you that you should be doing this with your life. And I, I feel like there's even some young people here. Like you got a relative that that even lets you know as soon as you turn 18 you can come live with me I, 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 got, a, I got an itching feeling right now that there's some young people here you got relatives they'll, they'll pull you aside and they'll just trash talk your mom and they'll trash talk your dad and they'll tell you you know your mom back when we were little she used to hit me all the time your mama really is mean she hits you too don't she oh I'm preaching better than you're responding You know what you need to do? You need to rise up. You need to get on God's clock and you need to let your aunt know. Amen. You ain't my mom. You ain't interpreting my dreams. I may be struggling, but I know not to listen to you. You are not going to bring a wedge of division between me and my dad. A wedge of... I feel like there's some boys here. You got an uncle that keeps telling you, you could be a great football player. You could really play some ball. Boy, you could really wrestle. You would be great. When, as soon as you get older, just tell your parents, you don't want to live there. You come live with me. I, I came to preach that devil off of your life. Your life belongs to God. You are bought with a price. You can't let somebody. Jesus, Jesus, come on, somebody. I feel this. Somebody shout hallelujah. You can't let anybody get you off God's clock regarding your finances. You know, yeah, I'll preach to young, you know, young people. Young people got way more money than we think. Because they got our money. <laughs> They're doing pretty good. You are never too young to save your money. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I'd get a shot on that. <laughs> you know, Jesus gave a parable about a woman who lost a coin. And she flipped the whole house upside down looking for that coin. And I don't know why, but we always read that parable thinking she was broken. That's why she was looking for the coin. The Bible says she had a bag full of coins. But she was just like that about the stuff God gave her. She said, if I even lose one bit of it, I'm going to go look for it. God gave me that money. I'm saving that money. I'm... Hey, young person, we're living in a world that wants to live on credit. They want to spend it all. They, 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 they're... They do all kinds of crazy stuff with their money. I'm telling you right now, God wants some young people here that can raise up and pinch Abraham Lincoln's nose till it bleeds. Amen. God wants some young people. God wants some young people here. You will flip couches upside down. You'll wash cars. You'll do it. And then you're going to take that money and you're going to save it and you're going to tithe on it. It's never too early to start tithing. It's never too early to get the blessings of God. I, I, don't, I know we don't usually shout about saving your money. We need to shout about saving your money. I'd rather shout about saving your money than try to preach you a message on how to get out of credit card debt. I'd rather teach Jesus. 
Everyone say it's time to save your money. You know, Jesus told the story about a widow who only had two mites. And you know what she gave those two mites to? To the temple. To the temple. Don't let nobody tell you that it's crazy to give your money to church. There's nothing wrong with giving your money to church. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure this doesn't apply to every young person here. But I, I remember when I first came to God, my parents did not live for God. It, it was amazing. My parents didn't care what I did. And all of a sudden, I start living for God, and everybody's worried. I had pot smoking, beer drinking relatives that were now theologians. <laughs> and wanted to talk to me about the cult I was in. I'm not in a cult. I am a cult. And I want Jesus to saddle my life and to ride me. I... Honey, I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with letting Jesus get on top of your life and take the reins. There's nothing wrong with giving everything you got to the kingdom of God, even when you're 15. There ain't nothing wrong with putting your allowance. I'm not going to stop you, and Jesus ain't going to stop you, and nobody here should stop you when you drop a tithe, when you drop your allowance in that offering. I got news for you. It's coming back. It's coming back. It'll come to you when you get married. It'll come to you when you need a car it'll come if you parents if you give your kids an allowance you better tell them to tithe on it well I didn't get too many shots on that that's okay somebody shout hallelujah Jesus told a parable about a good Samaritan. This man gave his money to help somebody. There's nothing wrong with giving your money away to help somebody. Yeah, you know, okay. It's getting bad in here. I, I got kids looking at me like, you broke. You ain't broke. We need to preach like this to kids. You need to know what's the right thing to do with your money. There's nothing wrong with after church taking out the visitor, your visitor friend, whoever, some young person. Tell them, I want to buy you a hamburger. Well, that's what we do because we're friendly to visitors. There's nothing wrong with helping somebody out. I'm not telling you you got to empty out your bank account, but... It ain't going to hurt you to invest in the things of God. It's not going to hurt you to give to the church. It's not going to hurt you to save your money. It's not going to hurt you to take a visitor out for a hamburger. Hey, some of you young kids that go to public school, you can make some friends, win some people to God if you would just buy them their lunch once in a while. Well, that's okay. You didn't like that. That's fine. If God opens your eyes, which he has for all of us here, to see exactly what time it is. We need to hold on to that for what it's worth. 
We can't let go of that. For everything that's in us, everything that's in us needs to hold on to knowing what time it is. The danger with our society today is this, is that it has a big facade. Everything on the outside looks really pretty these days. Real flashy, got a lot of bling, got a lot of glitz. But on the inside, it's a bottomless pit of wretchedness and nastiness and ugliness. If there's anything we got to really grasp here tonight is that things on the inside don't always look like they do on the outside. Good example. And nature's riddled with all kinds of these kinds of things. I have two nostrils, two eyes, two ears, two hands, two feet, two legs. You would think, you would think, if you were just to think logically, you would think that that's the way the inside of my body is too. I have two of everything, but I don't. In fact, the things I really need two of, I don't have two of. I could use two hearts. I could use two livers. I could use two pancreases. I could definitely use two brains. But the way things look on the outside is not the way they look on the inside. And that's the way this world is. The way things look on the outside, that's not the way they look on the inside. The parties look great on the outside, but when the party's over... You know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think there's a lot of good kids here. I do. I believe that with all my heart. But there's going to come a day with, no matter how good of a kid you are, you're going to have to make real decisions. I'll go one step further. There'll come a day when God makes sure you're all alone. God will make sure there's a day when nobody's looking. When nobody's around, when nobody's listening, when everyone's asleep, to see what you'll do. And, and you know what? This is a great service tonight to where you can get yourself ready. You can actually walk out of here with a made-up mind tonight that, you know what? I'm living God's way. I'm doing things. God's way isn't always the easiest way. It's not always efficient or convenient. There's times that if you do things God's way, it's going to take longer. A lot longer. You know, I'm not afraid to preach like this. Here we go. Almost done. You can meet your husband in just a couple minutes. I got a wife. I'm married. I have a daughter. And which, which means there's a lot of hair in my house. 
A lot of it. My wife, my wife is a good woman. She was raised in church. I mean, she just has great thoughts all day. Just ponies and cupcakes and stars. And just, she's just a good woman. I, I don't know. I'd be struggling. I just, uh, my wife, she just don't struggle like that. She's just raised right. Thank God for people that are raised right. She's just raised right, thinks good. But you know, her hair is not always convenient. My wife's hair goes down to her ankles. She does not wake up in the morning and start twirling around like, glory to God. And there's days we're late to church. There's days it takes us longer to get to the front door of the house than it does to get to the church we got to get to because of the hair. Her hair, the baby's hair. But you know what? I ain't on that time clock. I'm not, we're, we're not living according to modern times to where the, where, where the girl's hair is shorter and the boy's hair is longer. We don't care about that. We're doing things God's way. If it costs us all kinds of money for hairspray, bobby pins, we're doing things God's way. If we got to unclog the sink every three weeks, we're doing things God's way. We're on a whole different clock. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what some ratchet chicken head girl looks like out there. We're we're doing things God's way. We're, we ain't living on that clock. We're living on God's clock. I don't care what the world says. I don't care if people point and laugh. We ain't tripping. We ain't tripping. We've been there, done that, got the long sleeve shirt to prove it. Come on, somebody. It's time to get on God's clock. It's... Come on, ladies. Shake it off. Don't let... I know, I, I've been living for God long enough. I know what the devil's like. He'll tell you, you know, girl, just cut it off. Just cut it off. Quit doing all this. You don't need to live like that. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, I pray you touch every young lady in this building right now. Listen, I'm actually not preaching this. I do believe, I do believe that women carry a, I don't even like to call it a burden, a weight, a certain amount of, Wait to live the way you live. And that's why, fellas, if you married or you're a dad and you got girls, you ought to be telling your girl all day, whether it's your wife or your daughter, girl, you look good. I don't know if I should say this. Well, I'll leave it alone.
You know, I, I told the church in Fort Myers this. You know, my wife, my wife's smart. She's Filipino. She counts stuff. She adds. I mean, she's intense. She went to a very, very expensive private college. She graduated and everything. And um, she went to school all, all the time. Just, there was just, you know, hair everywhere, <laughs> skirt. You know, I am not, listen, I feel a bad spirit here. I feel a little snag here. I'm not saying it's from everybody, but I feel this little snag like this again. I don't really believe it takes all that. It takes all that. And just because you're struggling doesn't mean it's not the word of God. I know a lot of people, I'll just go to wherever they don't preach that. You can go to Mars and back, honey. You ain't going to get out from under the shadow of the word of God. If it's in God's word, it don't matter where you live. It don't matter where you go. God's going to judge you according to... God's going to judge you according to his word, not your zip code. God's going to judge you according to his word, not what church you attend. God's going to judge you according to his word. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this to make things hard on the girls. I'm doing this to encourage the ladies. My wife, she'd go to school every day just, you know, doing her thing. And one day this lady who was a child therapist, she was a psychologist of some sort, she walked up to my wife in the hallway. She said, what are you? A lot of people think you preach like this, you won't have revival. I got news for you. There's a lot of girls out in this world wishing they could find a group of people where they could put their clothes on and not be judged about... Not, not, not be gauged and judged by how much of their body they show. I got news for you. I believe that there is a world full of women. I believe there's clusters and groups of women that want to find a place where they don't have to paint it up every minute, where they don't have to look like so-and-so to be accepted, where they can just come in looking like themselves, hair everywhere, and just loving God and just loved. And it... This woman walked up to my wife. She said, what are you? And my wife was kind of taken back by it. She said, well, what do you mean, you know? She said, this, this, what is all this? Pointing at the hair and the skirt. My wife said, well, I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic. She said, good, because I want my daughter to be just like you. She said, in fact, I want to know what church you go to because me and my husband are coming this Sunday. I was preaching a revival there at that time. Amen. Me and my wife were, were, were just beginning to date, but I was preaching a revival there at her church. And uh, I'll never forget when that man, his wife, and all their kids came up to the altar call. That man, he was some sort, he, 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 he was some sort of physicist. He had a big fat Rolex watch. I mean, they had money. They had Uber money. They, they came up to the front, and I'll never forget when that man lifted up that hand, just blinged out. 
And I'll never forget when he said, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. And in just a couple of seconds, he was speaking in tongues. That therapist looked at her husband speaking in tongues. She flung her hands up in the air. Rolex 2 started speaking in tongues. The little kids saw mom and dad speaking in tongues, threw their hands up, started speaking in tongues. Come on. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Listen, we're not the ones making a big deal about hair. Pantene is. Vidal Sassoon is. The barber is. The salon is. We're actually the ones making no big deal about it. We're saying just leave it alone. Everyone else. It's all about money, people. It's all about money. They want to they cut it. They want to do whatever they can to it because they want your money. We're, we, we don't want your money. We don't get more. The length of your hair doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make a difference in the tithing account. It's, we're, we're, that, that, we're not the ones making a big deal about it. The world twists things and it turns things. and It, it would have you to think you're in bondage. You're not in bondage. You're free. You, you're free. You're not in bondage. You're not locked down. We're not the ones making a big deal. I'm not preaching long hair. I'm preaching uncut hair. I'm just telling you, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let Jesus. We need to pray here just for one second. Let's pray. Jesus. 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 Jesus, my God, glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost creeping in this place right now. I finish with this. You know, I went, to, uh, I went to art school, had a full-paid scholarship, and uh, that's when God called me. God told me, you're on the wrong clock. That is not what you're supposed to be doing with your life. So I, I put away all the paintbrushes, put away all the, all the art supplies, and live for God. No, I'm not preaching against crayons or nothing. You know, I, where I live, uh, there's, there's a lot of wealthy people where I live. And um, me and my wife saw this guy. Uh, he drove this huge Hummer. I mean, it was, it was just like a big Hummer. And it was like, I mean, it was just blinged out. I mean, it just had rims and chrome and. And the funny thing was, he's always walking around town like in his shorts and flip-flops. And he's like real tall. So I kind of figured he was a ball player because we got a couple of stadiums right near our house. And uh, I mean, he just don't care. I mean, he, 
he eats at all the expensive restaurants in town in his shorts and his flip-flops and his big old tube socks. And it just, he don't care. And uh, right around the corner from my house, there's this massive house. It's like a mansion. And all over the house, it has a, it has a mural painted on it, this big mural. And uh, one day I met this guy. We started talking. And uh, I, just, I just said, I'm going to find out who this guy is. You know, get a little picture, throw it up on Instagram. And just <laughs> but come to find out, he's no basketball player. He's just a very wealthy man. And, uh, and he said, I own several properties. And he said, I own, you see that house with the big mural on such and such? I said, yeah, I see that house. And, uh, and I told him, I said, I know who painted that mural. I said, uh, you know, I went to art school. I recognize the art. I know that guy. And he said, really? He said, do you still draw? Do you still paint? I said, no. And I remember he just stared at me. And I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm just... I'm not preaching against painting art. I, I love art. I think it's great, but, but I'm trying to make a point here. And he said, why? And uh, we were actually in a restaurant. He was eating with his kids, and I didn't really want to get into it. You know, I didn't want to mess his dinner up. <laughs> but I could tell in his mind, there was nothing better than what the world had to offer. And I thought, I thought to myself, bro, you don't get it. Anything you give up for God is a step up. Amen. Living for God is a step up. If you got a million dollars and you start living for God, you just stepped up. If you broke as a joke and you start living for God, you just stepped up. Living for God is always a step up. It's what... This world and what it has to offer cannot compare to what God will give you. Let's stand. That was for the boys. I know we weren't running. I know we did a little bit of shouting. But what we really need to do here tonight, I don't, I'm not even concerned if everybody doesn't do it. But I really hope that there's just a couple of young people. I, I, hope, I, I really wish it'd be everybody, but it's just not, that's just not the way things work. But even if there's just a couple of young people, that tonight you would reach out, get on God's clock, and grab a hold of something ancient. And let it reign and rule in your life. The call of God is on some of you. When I got married to my wife. And her friends and some of her family, not her mom and dad. But when some of, even her family found out, my, when, when I got married, my wife was 21 years old. 
And I can't tell you the scores of people that told her, you are way too young to be getting married. You need to go back to school, get your master's. You're going to go evangelize with Brother Prado? My in-laws are very well off. They're very well to do. They got money. But my mother-in-law and my father-in-law didn't raise their kids to be snobs. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law raised those kids so that their, their greatest dream was that one day all their kids would be in the ministry. And all their kids are in the ministry. I'm telling you right now, there's some young people here, you need to obey God tonight. You need to push out all these voices. When it comes, when it comes to getting married, there's only a couple of voices you should be listening to. Your mom and dad and your pastor. And if your mom and dad are crazy, listen to your pastor. (laughs) I feel this so deep in my heart. There's something burning in my spirit. There's young people here tonight. You're going to come to this altar. You're going to come to this altar and God's going to God's going to take your life and make something out of it. It don't matter what time zone you go against. It don't matter what voices you go against. You're going to do the will of God. uncle and aunt think you should be a basket weaver or a professional wrestler, whatever. Your life is in God's hands. I want every hand lifted up. We're going to pray for just a minute. Jesus. 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 This altar is open right now. I want some young people to come up here. I want some young ladies to come up here. I want some young men to come up here. Now listen. I know. I'm a preacher. I I do this all the time. I understand the dynamic of things. A lot of times we assume that that certain kinds of atmospheres determine what's going to happen in a service. I got news for you. I I really do need all the ministers to help us tonight. 
I want us to really lay hands on these young people. I believe with all my heart that there's some young people here, when we lay hands on you, there's going to be some, some voices, some chains, some distractions that are going to break off your life. I believe there's some young girls here, you've been, you've been frustrated with holiness, you've been frustrated with, with keeping yourself, you've been frustrated with being single. God's going to release you of that. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't get married until I was 29. And my wife was 21. I didn't get married until I was 20. I was, the devil would tell me all the time, you're going to die old and all by yourself. I got to the point where I just told the devil, so I'll just, you know, I'll be like Paul. I don't need a wife. And then I tell God I need a wife. You know, we believe in marriage around here. I just want you to know that. I, I, don't like, I don't like those young people that think this is odd. We believe in marriage around here between a man and a woman, young man, young woman. Yes, we do. We believe in that stuff, that old stuff, that old time clock stuff. We're going to lay hands on you. It's not the will of God any young person walk out of here frustrated, bound, confused. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. We're going to pray the peace of God on you, the will of God on you. I want every young person here to say, I will obey God. Say God in Jesus' name. Every young person lift your hands. Musicians, parents, if your kids are up here, why don't you help us pray? Ministers, I really want us to lay hands on some of these young people. I believe the call of God, the anointing of God, the will of God is going to come on some of these young people right now. Come on, every hand lifted up in the name of Jesus.
Haïtiens, pour venir, ça est bon Dieu avec nous. Bénis, continue. 
to Vinale Leglis and Cotonula, who can pray Bonji. Merci, Jesus. Merci, Bonji. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glorify your name, Jesus. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Give God a big hand.